and Austin, all of our amazing men and women at God Behind Bars. Let's give it up for them. Come on. So glad you're joining us. Hey, you can take a seat. Hug someone's neck on the way down. Tell them you love them. You like who you're sitting by? I'll give you 30 seconds to change if you need to. Y'all feeling good today? Hope you're ready for a great day at church. Hey, my name is Andrew Matrone, and I'm one of the young adults pastors on staff, and uh, excited to bring the Word of God to you guys today. And this is a special weekend because this is the last normal weekend of Red Rocks Church in 2019, because next weekend we got Christmas Eve. Can you believe it? Christmas Eve, and then we got the holiday hangover for that. So this is our final normal weekend of 2019. So take a deep breath and then breathe out. You made it. You made it through 2019. Amen. Right? So a question for you. I want you to think about this to yourself. How has 2019 been to you? How has 2019 treated you? Has it been a good year? Has it been a bad year? Has it been a little indifferent? Has it been filled with successes or failures? Has this been an amazing year or a year of disappointment? I don't know, there's probably a lot of different people that experienced a lot of different things in 2019. But my goal for this message today is to give you perspective on 2019, but faith for 2020. Perspective on this past year of your life, but a little bit of faith and a little bit of hope going into this next season of life. So I want to read a story for you out of Mark chapter 5. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's about this man by the name of Jairus. You there? You ready? You ready? Come on. Come on, y'all. It's the word of God. We got excited for the word of God. All right, here we go. So chapter 5, verse 21 says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, everyone say Jairus. That's a cool name. Came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. But then there's an interruption. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, She grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Amen. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. Skip to verse 35. It says, while Jesus was still speaking with this woman, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and says, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Can you underline that? Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. Don't laugh at Jesus. After he put them all out because they laughed, he took the child's father, mother, and disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began walking around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. 
The title of today's message is The Process That Precedes the Promise. The process that precedes the promise. Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you so much uh, for this church. God, I thank you for all that you've done this past year of our lives. Uh, Lord, that we're still standing. That no matter what's going on in our lives, uh, Lord, that we're still here, Lord. You still have a plan for our lives. Lord, so I pray that you would speak to us, challenge our hearts today, Lord. We welcome your presence into this place. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Question for you. Have you ever waited so long on something that you just finally gave up on it? Like you waited so long that you just couldn't take it anymore that you gave up on it. Anybody? Okay, so about four years ago around this time, my wife was nine months pregnant with our son. Okay, but not only was she nine months pregnant, she was nine months plus one week pregnant. Okay, and all you women who have carried a woman, you know that any day or one minute after 40 weeks, you're just mad at the world. Okay, you're just a little frustrated. And that was my wife. She was super sweet at 41 weeks of being pregnant, but so it was 41 weeks where my wife was pregnant, and it was a Sunday, so we had just had all of our weekend services, and then it actually happened to be Super Bowl Sunday when the Broncos won the Super Bowl. Come on, give it up for your, your Broncos. And so, but it was just a long day, and so we were so tired. We literally said to each other that night, our son could come at any point this week, but just not tonight because we are so tired. Lord, please don't let him come tonight. We're so tired. You know how that works. So it's about 11 o'clock at night, and we're laying in bed, and my wife turns up. She's like, hey, Andrew, I'm, I'm having some really intense contractions. And I say, well, stop. <laughs> we ain't got time for that tonight. And so... A little time goes by, and the contractions are getting a little bit worse and a little bit closer together, and so we call the doctor, and the doctor was super kind to us at midnight, and, and, and the doctor said, you know what, maybe it's time for you to bring your wife into the hospital, and so we start getting ready, and, and while we're getting ready, it's really intensifying, and my wife looks at me and says, Andrew, I, I feel like he's about to fall out of me, and I was like, no, you keep him in here. I will not deliver this child. You keep him in there. So we hop in the car, and, and we're driving. My wife's like, you need to drive fast. So I'm going like 100 miles an hour down Wadsworth. And she's like, you need to slow down. She yells at me to slow down. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Okay, listen, fellas, when your wife is in labor, okay, it's uncontrollable. All you have to do is just say, yes, ma'am, whatever you want, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I will do whatever you say. So we get to the hospital, and we walk through the doors, and we get up to the delivery room. And the nurse, she, she checks my wife. She says, you know, actually, you're not as far along as you thought that you were. And so we're, we're, we're going to let you kind of go through the labor process here. And so we we're a little bit discouraged because we we're excited to meet our son. And we we're just tired. We're like, let's get this thing over with. Um, but so a, a couple hours pass by and, and nothing is really happening. And my wife's not really progressing. And, and my wife hadn't had medication at that point, And so she is in loads of pain. And at this point, it's about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm getting really, really tired. Okay, because I had been doing all the breathing exercises. I was rubbing her feet. All the women hate me, Ren. I was getting really tired. And, and, and so I'm, I'm sitting there on the couch and, and uh, my, my, my eyes just start getting really, really heavy. And, and, and I, can, I can feel myself fading. And, and, and I'm like, Andrew, you cannot fall asleep. She will kill you. And so I, I'm like, I'm like, and I, I look over, I see her just I can feel like you better not. So a little time goes by, and also it just it overwhelms me, and I I couldn't, and I'm just, y'all. Not two seconds goes by. My wife was like, "Are you serious?" 
You better open your eyes right now. Are you kidding me? You're snoring. Look, y'all, it was 2.3 seconds, and I was snoring, okay? She's like, you're not going to bat another eye until this baby comes at me, so you will stay up. And then we had our amazing child. It was awesome. And now we're pregnant. We're having another girl, okay, in May. We're excited. But I was thinking about it. You know, the, the, the labor process, is, it's intense. It, it can be long. It can be vigorous. And I was so excited for something to take place. But the longer that I had to wait, the more I lost my ability to stay present in the process of labor. And I was thinking about it today. I wonder how many of y'all sit in a place like this where you have been waiting for something to happen in your life for a really long time. Been waiting for God to show up. You've been waiting for your, your marital situation to change, your financial situation to change, your, your mental health issues to change. You've been waiting for so long, and the longer you've waited, the more that you've lost your ability to stay present in the current position that God has you. You know, I think that we go into every year with high hopes and high expectations of what that year is gonna look like, right? We all do it. And I think that probably all of us went into this past year, 2019, saying, this is gonna be my year, right? This is gonna be the year everything changes. This will be the year I get out of debt, amen? This will be the year where my marriage gets healthy finally. This will be the year where I, I, I find the courage to forgive someone in my family. This will be the year where I finally get help for my anxiety. This will be the year where my financial situation changes. This will be the year where I find the man that I know that God has curated oh so perfectly for me. This will be the year where things begin to change. And so we go into each year with these high hopes and high expectations, but oftentimes as the days and the weeks and the months go by, nothing changes. We still find ourselves in the same place that we did before. And I think that we can get to seasons like this, and these seasons are absolutely exhausting. They're stressful, they're overwhelming, they're confusing, and these are just giant seasons of disappointment. And maybe you find yourself in a place like this today where this past season of your life has just been a giant disappointment. There's been some good moments, but if you look back on all the things that have taken place, you say, you know, this has kind of just been a disappointing year. You see, I think at some point or another, every single one of us will find ourselves in a place in life, if you haven't found it yet, you're just not old enough, just wait. Places of life that don't feel like prosperity, but places of life that feel like obscurity. And those seasons of life are extremely frustrating, amen? Frustrating. And I was thinking about it, I think that sometimes in these frustrating seasons, what we love to do is we love to blame other people around us, our spouse or our boss. We love to blame our frustration, our circumstances. But if we're being really honest, what we're really frustrated with is we're frustrated with God. Think about it. In these seasons of life where things aren't going the way that we thought that they should be going, we try to blame shift on everything and everybody else, but when it really comes down to it, what we're really frustrated with is that we're frustrated with God. And here's how we get frustrated with God. It's because we have moments in our lives where we feel like God speaks something over us, right? If you have a relationship with God, he's speaking to you. But we all have had moments in our lives where we feel like God speaks something over us, whether it's through his word, whether it's through a sermon, whether it's somebody else, but we feel like God promises us something. We feel like God promises us the potential of something new and fresh and exciting and life-giving. 
Have you had that moment this year where you were in a tough spot and you left a service and you walked out so faith-filled and so hopeful, like things are gonna change, God is speaking to me, life is gonna be different from here on out. And then all of a sudden, the days, the weeks go by and nothing really comes to fruition and it doesn't really feel like it's going to anytime soon. And so what we do instead of staying present what most of us do, because humans are control freaks, is we begin to take everything into our own hands. If God's not gonna move, then I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move on from my marriage. I tried this year, I put an effort, she hasn't done near as much work as I had, and obviously nothing's gonna change, and I thought that God was gonna do something in our marriage, but it hasn't happened, so I'm gonna move on from it. I'm gonna move on from this job. I, by a step of faith, I took my whole family. We moved out to Denver, Colorado in, in, in hopes of pursuing what God has for our lives. But ever since we got here, life has just been a mess. And I thought that God was going to come through. And since he hasn't, we're just going to go ahead and move back. I'm moving on from giving sacrificially. This year I started tithing and being more generous because they preach that and tell us to, and so I did that, I was obedient. But ever since I've done that, it just seems like money just keeps running from my account and not running back. And so, you know what, I just think I'm gonna do this thing my way. I'm gonna move on from living with integrity in my singleness, because it seems like everybody else around me who's single is not living with integrity, but it seems like they keep finding their right match. And I'm tired of trying to do this thing God's way, and it's just not panning out for me, and so I'm going to move on. So a lot of times what we do when we get these places in life where life's not going how we thought that it would be, we get frustrated with God, we begin to take our future and put it into our own hands, and we begin to force ourselves into situation and force ourselves out of situations, forgetting something very important, that if God has placed me here, for the time being, he wants to keep me here, and for the time being, if he wants to keep me here, he wants to teach me something while I'm here. He wants to develop something in me while I'm here. Can I tell you something? That when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, oftentimes there is a process that precedes the promise. There's a process, there, there, there's labor pains that precede the birth of your promise or the dream that you feel like God placed on your heart. And so what do we do as believers when we find ourselves in these kind of seasons of life where the things that we thought God would do haven't quite happened yet and we don't feel like they're going to, what, what do we do? How do we respond? Well, this guy, Jairus, I think he, we could speak to our situation. Jairus was a, a synagogue leader. In, in other words, Jairus was a modern-day pastor. Okay, and so Jairus, he has this issue. He's a father who has a 12-year-old girl who is on her deathbed. And so as any loving father, he says, I'm going to do whatever I possibly can to make sure that my daughter gets healed. Any fathers in here? Okay, when, when your child is, is hurt or afraid or in danger, that's when you rise up the most. You're like, okay, game on. This is, when I, this is what I was born for, okay? And so this is Jairus in this moment. His daughter is on her deathbed. And so Jairus says, I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that my daughter gets healed. And so he hears about that Jesus is about to walk through his town. So Jairus says, this is my opportunity. So it says that Jairus, he works his way through the crowd, and it says that he boldly approaches Jesus and earnestly pleads with Jesus to come to his house. He boldly approaches Jesus. 
Can, can I encourage you that you can boldly approach Jesus at any moment that you want, that you can earnestly plead with Jesus, that God honors bold prayers and bold prayers honor God. Did, did you hear me today? That you can boldly approach great. Hebrews uh, 4.16 says that uh, you can approach the throne of grace with confidence. And so he approaches Jesus with confidence. And then it says that Jesus agrees to go to the house. Now notice something. Jesus agrees to go to Jairus' house, but he doesn't promise Jairus anything. He doesn't promise Jairus if he'll heal his daughter, or when, or how, he just says, I will go with you. Oftentimes, God doesn't promise us specifics, but what he does say is, I will go with you. I will be with you. And so he goes with Jairus on his way to the house, but Jairus had to have felt, though, that Jesus going with him to the house had to have meant that his daughter is going to be healed. It's a safe assumption. Because according to what Jairus has heard about Jesus, and even for us, 2,000 years later, when we read uh, the Gospels of Jesus, anytime anybody had an interaction with Jesus that needed healing, they were healed 100% of the time. So according to what Jairus has heard, by Jesus coming to his house, that means that his daughter is about to be healed. And so they're on their way to the house, and then all of a sudden, Jesus gets interrupted. Jesus gets interrupted by a woman. Now this woman just ha so happened to live in the same town as Jairus, and this woman had an issue of her own as well. This woman had this issue of bleeding for 12 years, and she didn't have any other source to get healed. It said that she suffered harm under the care of many doctors. And she as well hears that there's this Jesus walking through town that at one touch or at one word that he can heal and restore my life. And so it says that this woman, she works her way through the crowd and boldly approaches Jesus and touches the hem of his garment. And at the moment she touches the hem of his, of his garment, it says that power leaves Jesus and she's completely healed. And so there's this beautiful interaction with Jesus, the disciples, and this woman. But don't forget, you have Jairus still over here. He's like, Jesus, that's cool. I love what you're doing there. Good for her. But you know, Jesus, she's, she's been sick for 12 years. She could probably wait a couple more hours, you know. But this, this is time sensitive. It's, it's, Jesus, I, I need you to go because my daughter, she's on her deathbed. You said you were going to go to the house, but you stopped, and I don't know what's going to happen to my daughter. A side note here, sometimes we can get so focused on what we want God to do in our lives that we lose sight of what God is doing on all the lives around us. Can I encourage you with something? That learning how to celebrate other people's promises being fulfilled when maybe yours is not will be one of the most freeing things you'll have ever experienced in your life. Listen, every single one of us at some point or another will feel overlooked by God. We'll feel like someone else got what we deserve, but learning that someone else's blessing is not an indictment on your own will free you up and help you to be a, not such a critic, but be a cheerleader. That if one person in the kingdom of God wins, then we all win, amen? And see, the thing about it is, is that God moving in other people's lives should not disrupt or discourage your faith. It should strengthen and encourage your faith. That if God can do it in their lives, then that means that God can do it in my life, amen? I heard a preacher say that if God is healing your neighbor, then that just means that he's in the neighborhood, amen? <laughs> Listen, 
God blessing somebody else is not an indictment on you. It should strengthen and encourage your faith. Jairus sitting back and seeing this woman be healed that had been sick for 12 years. He'd be like, woo, here we go. He's coming on over to my house. If he can do it for her, he can do it for my daughter. Amen. So let people's faith, that's why we come to church. That's why we do life groups as a bunch of faithful believers coming in here and we can be encouraged by one another's faith. Amen. Sorry, I'm out of breath. Dear Lord. So he's waiting there for Jesus as this interaction is taking place. And it says that some people from Jairus' house are coming to Jairus to deliver a message. They were just with Jairus' daughter. They're coming to deliver a message to Jairus. And I picture these guys walking up to Jairus, like, all right, man, who's, who's gonna tell him? I ain't telling him, you tell him. I ain't telling him, you tell him. All right, rock, paper, scissors. All right, bet. You did rock. You always do rock. I should have known that. And so the guy who loses rock, paper, scissors has to go to Jairus. That was, that's not in the Bible. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and Jairus's friend comes to Jairus and says, hey, look, bro, um, your daughter, she's, she's dead. No, 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 no. You, you don't understand. Jesus said that he was going to come to Come to the house. He, he's on the way. Uh, he, he just took like a little pit stop, but he, he, he's on the way. Can, everything's fine. No, no, Jairus, Jairus, I'm, I'm sorry, bro. It's, it's over. And, and, and then, then his friends go on to say, hey, Jairus, don't bother Jesus anymore. Let it go. Move on. Move on. Listen, we have to be careful with the voices that we allow to infiltrate our lives and infiltrate our faith. I think getting counsel from God-fearing friends is extremely important, but don't let the noise of this world distract or outweigh the voice of God. I say one more time, don't let the noise of this world dis, uh, distract or outweigh the voice of God. Sometimes when you find yourself in these tough situations, these tough seasons of life, what you have to do is quiet the noise around you and get alone with God. Can I ask you a question? If you find yourself in this season of life, what do you feel like God's speaking to you right now? What's God speaking to you? You see, because the Bible says that when Jesus left this earth, that he left us the Holy Spirit, gave us access to the Holy Spirit who guides us, who comforts us, who, who convicts us, can encourage us. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to your situation in this season of life? Look, I know that you have that friend in your life who, who does come to church, and they're like, listen, bro, that, that marriage, man, it, it ain't going so hot. Might be time for you to, I don't know, move past that one. Or, hey, look, I... You guys have been trying to get pregnant for a long time, and I know that you're super faithful, but it hasn't been happening. It just seems like it's just hurting you. Maybe you should move on from it. Listen, let me tell you something. that The most consistent voices in your life will be the loudest voices in your life. So who's ever most consistent in your life will be the most loudest voice in your life. So are you getting alone with God? Are you opening up the Bible, which is a lamp unto your feet? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you in this situation? Not your friends or not Google. What is Holy Spirit speaking to you in this situation of life? You see, it says that this conversation is happening with Jairus and his friends, and it says that, that Jesus overhears this conversation. 
He overhears it. So, so just so you know that even when Jesus tended to someone else, his heart and his ears are still directed towards you. He overhears. And it says that while he's tending to this woman, he looks at Jairus. And he says, hey, Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. This subtle statement. Hey, Jairus, don't, don't be afraid. Just believe. I feel like the Lord is whispering that to some of y'all today. Or maybe he's screaming it to some of y'all today. Could you not be afraid? Could you just believe that I have not left you, that I have not forsaken you, that I remember the moment that I called you. I remember the moment that you were sitting with your spouse in the living room and crying, and I showed my peace for the first time. I remember, son, that moment when you were sitting in your room contemplating suicide, and you felt my presence, and you knew that life was going to be good from that point on. I have not forgotten the moment that I called you. I haven't forgotten. So don't be afraid. Just believe. I'm still on the way to your promise. Remember, the word never returns void. There's a process that precedes the promise. You know what I love about this story, though? One of my favorite parts is, even in the midst of all this going on, Jairus never left the side of Jesus. Come on. Even in the middle of all this, Jairus never left the side of Jesus. Even when his friends told him to, he didn't. Why? Because Jairus knew, the closer I am to Jesus, the closer I am to my promise being fulfilled. Listen, can I tell you something? The closer that you are to Jesus, the more you lean into Jesus, the more you'll begin to understand the heart of Jesus. The more you begin to understand the heart of Jesus, the more you begin to understand the plans of Jesus. And the more you understand who Jesus is, what he's trying to accomplish, what he has for you, the more faith and hope filled that you will be in your darkest situation. Say, I still trust, I will not be afraid, I will believe, amen. But what's our propensity in life? <laughs> when things aren't going great, and we find ourselves in places like this and it feels like our promise is dead. What's our propensity? Well, usually instead of leaning into Jesus, what we do is we avoid Jesus. We get frustrated with Jesus. We lean away from Jesus. We avoid church. We, we avoid worship. We avoid the Bible because we're so frustrated. And then we end up living this life of disappointment. The more that we lean away from Jesus, the more we become victims. God just doesn't love me like he loves everybody else. Come on, we've all said that before. <laughs> God obviously just doesn't care about my situation because if he did, then I would have experienced healing. God just doesn't care. And so we allow ourselves to live in this season of disappointment. But can I tell you something? That who you are in a season of disappointment says a lot about your character and it says a lot about your trust in Jesus. You know why? Because seasons of faith... Uh, seasons of disappointment, they challenge your faith. And it makes you ask this question, whether consciously or subconsciously, do I really believe Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do? See, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. 
It's confidence in what I hope for. I hope that God comes through. I hope that this happens in my life, and I have confidence in it. But then I also have assurance of what I do not see. I know I can't see it. I know I don't feel it, but I still believe that God is working on my behalf. Listen, in a season of disappointment, can you keep your character? In a season of disappointment, can you keep your integrity? In a season of disappointment, can you not wander off? Can you keep vision for your life? Where there is no vision, the people perish. In a season of disappointment, can you keep your faith? Listen, because there is always a purpose to your labor pain. There's always a purpose to your process. There's always a purpose to your confusion or your disappointment in life. Because listen, in these seasons, God is building something in you that can't be built overnight. He's building something in you that can't be rushed. He's building something in you that's difficult to build in a season of prosperity or a season where everything is good. In these seasons, he's building in you character. He's building in you patience. He's building in you strength. He's building in you self-control. He's building in you faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. He's developing something in you that cannot be developed overnight. There's a process that precedes the promise. Listen, it's always been that way, and it will always be that way. You can fight it as much as you want, but there's always a process that precedes the promise. Abraham, process that preceded a promise. Moses, David, Mary and Joseph, Peter, Paul, Jesus, there was a process that preceded the promise for Jesus to go to the cross and then three days later resurrect so that we could have new life if we put our faith in him. That if you are a believer in Jesus, there is a process that will always precede the process. Listen, your season of waiting doesn't have to be a season of wandering. It doesn't. I think people... Man, I'm just like wandering around right now. Listen, your season of waiting doesn't have to be a season of wandering. Listen, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, be on your guard. Stand firm in faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Come on, so, so some of y'all need to feel that and believe that. Look, I know that the waves are like bashing me all around. I know the wind is coming. I know that I feel like there's no clarity, all confusion. But you know what you can do is that you can be courageous, that you can be strong, that you can stand firm in your faith and be on your guard because the enemy loves in seasons like this to get you because <laughs> you're weak. He's petty like that. He's petty. Like he'll wait for you to be at your weakest moment until he comes into your life. But in these seasons of life, we can stand our guard, stand our faith. See, because the reality is, is what if nothing ever changes? How do we respond? Like, what, what if 2020 is the same as 2019? How do you respond? Let me quote a famous theologian from Frozen 2. <laughs> Pabby. Pabby? I can't know. My son would probably know. When one can see no future, all one can do is the next right thing. That's not biblical. Because I'm not quoting the Bible, but when, when, when we don't know what the future holds, we have to do what's right. We, we fight for character. We fight for integrity. We fight for faith. We stand our guard. We stand our ground. We're courageous and we're strong. You see, when everything in you wants to run or rush the process, 
Will you stay present? Because usually just at the moment when you wanna give up, that's usually when God is right around the corner waiting to change the trajectory of your life, to move you forward. Listen, in your season of greatest opposition, usually around the corner is your greatest moment of opportunity. The greater the tension in your life, usually the greater trajectory of God's dream in your life. So in these seasons of life, of opposition, can you trust that some of your greatest opportunity might just be right around the corner? Just when you think that your promise is dead, God is just about to raise it back to life. Amen? Amen. Ben, you can come on up. I hope that you feel encouraged today. I've been yelling at you for 30 minutes. You know, the... The rest of the story goes where Jesus goes with, with Jairus. He, he, he leaves the woman and he goes with, with Jairus to his home. And it says that they get to the house and there's people who are wailing and crying. And Jesus says, why, why are you wailing and crying? The, this girl is not dead. She's just asleep. And they laugh at Jesus. And Jesus is like, Bye kicks him out of the house and it says that Jesus takes Jairus and Jairus' wife and, and two of his disciples and they, they go upstairs to where the little girl is at. And it says that Jesus kneels down to her at her bedside, grabs her by the hand and says, little girl, I tell you, get up. Little girl, I tell you, Get up. Can I tell you that sometimes the dreams that you want or the promises that you want aren't dead. They're just waiting for you to arrive. They're just waiting for you to go through the process. They're just waiting for you to go through that development season that God has placed you in. That Listen, like I said, the word of God never returns void. If God has spoken something over you, it will come to fruition. We don't know when, we don't know how, but it will come to fruition. If God promises something, it never goes by the wayside. Never goes by the wayside. See, I, I was thinking about it this week. I, I was having this conversation with a young 20-something last week, and they're in a difficult season of life, and, and I said something to them that I, I've said to hundreds, if not thousands of people, and it's a Christianese thing that we say, uh, when someone's in a tough season of life, man, I, I know that you're in a tough season of life, but I just believe you could get through this. God has big plans for you. Have you ever said that to someone or someone says that to you? I think it's, it's well-intended Christians. You're like, man, if you could just push through this season, God's got big plans for your life. And, and all of a sudden, the Lord hit me. And right in that moment, the Holy Spirit hit me. And, and I felt like he, the Holy Spirit said to me, Andrew, this isn't about big plans for his life in the future. These are my big plans for him right now that maybe your season of life is one of the biggest things that God is trying to accomplish in your life. Listen, can, can we flip this on its head for a moment and, and maybe change our perspective? That maybe God's greatest gift for your life right now is a no. And you, you, you've been striving to, to get the things that you want in life, but, but maybe God, because he's a gracious father, the greatest gift that he's given you right now is no. Not right now. I, I, I know that you want this person. I know that you think that things should change. I, I know whatever you think that this thing should happen and the timing that should happen, but not right now because you're gonna be hurt if you get with the thing that you want right now. So maybe his greatest gift to you right now is a no. 
Maybe God's greatest gift to you right now is a season that's a little bit confusing where you don't have clarity. You know why? Because it's strengthening your faith. And God knows that there's gonna be a point in your life down the road where you're gonna need all the faith that you have. And so right now, God's allowing you to go through a season where you feel a little confused, where you feel like you don't have clarity because he's trying to strengthen your faith. Maybe God's greatest gift for you right now is a season of disappointment where you feel like everything is being stripped away from you. You know why? Because God is trying to get you to depend on him. God's saying, look, you're in this season, but you know, I need you to depend on me. Because there's gonna be a time in your life where you're not gonna be able to do this thing on your own. I know you've been able to try to do it on your own for a while, but there's gonna be a season where you can't. So I'm trying to teach you right now what it means to depend on your Father. Listen, can I, can I encourage you that, that, that God's not a genie. God's a Father. And any father who cares about his children does what's best for his children. Listen, one day you'll look back on this season of, of what you feel is disappointment, and you'll look back on it as one of your greatest seasons of grace. When I look back on some of the worst moments of my life, two years ago, worst, worst season of me and my wife's life, I just thought this is my biggest season of disappointment, but now I can look back as God's greatest season of grace in my life. He's trying to teach me and develop me for moments such as this. Listen, I can't promise that you'll get what you want, but can, can I promise you something? Can, can I promise that, that God is a good God? That God is a just God? That God is a faithful God? That our God promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us? That our God promises us a peace that surpasses all understanding? That our God is a good God and a Father who loves you. Listen, don't force your way into a promise or out of anything because then you'll have to sustain it. So can you look back on 2019, no matter what's happened, can you look back and say, wow, <laughs> that was a year. But God, what were you trying to teach me? What were you trying to develop in me? God, thank, thank you for that season. I know it was difficult, but what were you trying to teach me? And then allow that, what happens in your heart and soul, to give you faith for this next season of life. That I know things may not change. I know my circumstance may not change. But you know what has changed is my trust in Jesus. Amen. You bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for everyone in this room and all, our, all of our other campuses. And a couple questions in here with heads bowed and eyes closed. First question is this is, that man, you've just been in this season and you've had a hard time having faith and, and trusting God. But you say, you know what, Andrew, I just feel like to my, the best of my ability in this moment, I wanna put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. If, if that's you in here, could you just lift up your hands saying we're in this season of life, I'm gonna trust. Amen, amen, hands up all over, amen, amen. The second question is this, is that you're in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you've been searching and searching and searching and never finding. There's no person, no amount of money, no substance. You have searched it all and you have found nothing. Everything has returned void. And you find yourself in a place where you somehow walked into this room today saying that maybe, just maybe, this Jesus could be my healer. 
Maybe, just maybe, nothing else has worked in my life, but maybe, just maybe, Jesus is the one that I've been looking for. If you're in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you'd like to start one, could you slip up your hand at every location? Amen. I see you. Amen. Amen. God behind bars. Brussels. Amen. Amen. If that was you, you can put your hand down. I just want you in your own words, just begin to talk to God, maybe for the first time. Say, God, I'm a sinner. God, I believe you. I believe that you went to the cross and you went to the grave. I believe that you're the only way to heaven. Put my faith in you. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We ask all this your name. And everybody said, amen. If y'all wanna stand every location, let's worship.